are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Our reading today is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gisimaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nests. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Thanks, Carol, for reading for us. We asked the question this morning, what is your favorite kind of fish? And I would suppose that a great variety of answers were given to that question. Because some of you would think in terms of what is the best fish to eat, and others would think of their pet fish, that's there at home in the tank. And then others of us were probably thinking in terms of the best fish to catch. Certainly in the land of 10,000 lakes, catching fish is a hobby of many, many people. Many of us remember growing up and catching fish on like a Snoopy pole or a princess or Mickey fishing pole from Walmart. And you remember catching your first sunfish or crappie. In fact, I know a lot of grown-ups. That'd be their favorite fish still today is a a lazy summer afternoon out there on the boat just catching an easy supper. Others of us maybe thought more in the terms of of sport fishing. And so maybe you mentioned the walleye, the state fish, is your favorite fish to catch and eat for that matter. They do taste good. You're out there thinking of lindy rigging and trolling rapalas and maybe just a good old-fashioned jig and minnow. But that would be walleye fishing. Another fish that maybe came up is one of the best fighting fish, and that would be the smallmouth bass. So certainly here on the Mississippi, got great smallie fishing, also places on the Elk River as well. Um, Some of you are thinking of river fishing, I bet, and your idea of the best fishing that's out there is to put on waders and have your fly rod and your net with you, and you're out there for trout, looking for brookies or browns or rainbow trout. Speaking of trout, I have other friends, they're thinking in a whole different category of trout, and that is heading up north to the deep water looking for lake trout. So maybe lake trout came up as you discuss this. 
Others might head up to catch the steelhead run on the North Shore. And others of us, maybe, maybe a few of us have the patience it takes for the fish of 10,000 casts. Yes, I'm talking about the muskie. The muskie may have come up as well. I'll leave it at that for examples. But whatever your favorite might be, for those who fish, I bet you have a memory of the best fish that you ever caught. The best day out on the water. And that has just stuck in your memory. I once, as a kid, caught a northern while I was asleep. And the fishing rod about shot out of my hands and over the edge of the boat. My dad's hollering and sure enough brought it in and still have that picture holding that northern that I caught while I was asleep. And again, three decades later or so, I had my dad by my side. This was a couple years ago when I caught the biggest fish of my life. And that was also a northern. So these moments, they're just so special to hang on to and remember. And Every fisherman or fisherwoman has that catch that they look back on. Their best day out there, the one cast in 10,000 where they caught the biggest fish of their life. We have a story today in Luke that was the biggest, most amazing catch in the life of these fishermen. This moment that we read about in Luke 5 was so important for them that for the rest of their lives, they would talk about their life before that day and their life after that day. It was that decisive. It was that consequential. And I believe that this text in Luke 5 is one of the most important Bible passages that you could ever find on following Jesus. This is a quintessential text on discipleship. This fall, we're featuring stories from the Gospel of Luke and stories we find only in the Gospel of Luke. And this is one of them, the story of this miraculous catch of fish and what it meant in the lives of these men. And the question that I would like for you and I to be thinking about as we look at this today is what, if any, day like this have I had in my own life? What, if any day like this, have I had in my life? What kind of turning point have you had where you left everything to follow Jesus? Let's step into the scene now here in the passage. We see Jesus standing by the Lake of Gennesaret, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. It's probably what we more commonly refer to it as. Dr. Luke, we pointed out, is very precise in his research and writing. And so he typically is using the language of a lake. And that's what it was, a big freshwater lake. It was eight miles across, 14 miles long. Here and throughout, he often calls it the Lake of Gennesaret. Gennesaret was this fertile plain on the northwest corner of the lake in the area of Capernaum. This was a well-populated region around the Sea of Galilee, around this lake. And so we're not surprised to find that there are people who are crowding onto the beach and crowding all around Jesus to hear him speak. Word about him had spread all across Galilee. And in the original Greek here, it says that the crowd was pressing on him. And if you've ever been to a concert or a, a ball game, of significant size, then you know what that's like to have this crush of people around you just kind of surging and you almost, you know, don't even walk. You just kind of move along with the crowd. 
but here the people have not come for a Vikings game and they're not here for their favorite band at the X, but they have come to hear Jesus and to listen to the word of God. The end of verse one, it says they were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And I want to ask us, what are we listening to today? What are we listening to? We're in this strange season of social distancing, but the crush of people is still here, isn't it? People clamoring for answers and looking for some kind of relief or some sign of hope in this difficult year. And what is it that we're listening to? Uh, What words can give us some kind of perspective or point us in some direction? There's this hunger that we sense, isn't there? This longing in our world today that what can possibly satisfy? The Bible says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Bible says there is this hunger that food cannot touch. Food could never satisfy. And that's what the crowds came for that day. They have come for the bread of life, for the word of God, to be filled and satisfied in the deepest reaches of their souls. Do you know what it means in your own life to just have to get to the beach, per se, and to hear the word of God? This is where the miraculous catch begins. We don't want to miss that with people who desperately seek to hear Jesus. As we move into the story, we see that this crowd was so overwhelming that Jesus needs to find a solution. And so spying a couple of fishing boats that are there, he climbed into one of them. This fisherman named Simon pushes it out from shore. Now, Jesus knew Simon who we refer to mostly as Peter. In chapter four, we see Jesus heal Peter's mother-in-law from a fever. And so they had interactions and they're both from this region. They knew each other. But that decisive day had not yet come until here in Luke chapter five. What Jesus is doing with this boat, by the way, is what any of us would know if you've ever heard people talking or make a noise across the water on a lake. I mean, it's almost like this natural amphitheater, the way that sound carries across the water. And so that's what Jesus employs here. He does his teaching from the boat, and then all the people along the beach can hear what he's saying. Now, when he's finished, the story continues with this clear, unflinching command that he has for Peter, the fisherman. Jesus says to Peter in verse 4, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So teaching is done, comes back into shore, and he looks Peter in the eye, and he says, Peter, I want you to get out into the deep and put down those nets for a catch. Amazing. And we shouldn't miss that this is a carpenter telling a professional fisherman how to fish. You think about your job, and I think of mine. If I were to show up at a hospital and I was to visit someone in a hospital room and to have scripture there and to spend time in prayer, the doctors and nurses will kindly step aside. But if I were to show up and I were to tell them what I think is wrong and ask for the scalpel and where I'm going to make the incision, then they would show me the door as fast as they could because I have no medical training. 
that's not my expertise. I mean, if I show up to do your surgery at the hospital, you should be very afraid. <laughs> that's not my job. What do you think was going through Peter's mind when Jesus of Nazareth was telling him how to fish? Bible commentator Michael Wilcox says, as long as Simon's boat is being used as a pulpit, the owner has no objection to Jesus saying in it what he likes. But when it reverts to being a fishing boat, it is Simon's once more, and Jesus no longer has a say in how it is to be used. On a human level, that's the truth, isn't it? And the details of the story are going to make this even more pointed. Do you remember, as the story starts, what the fishermen are doing there on the shore? We read that they're washing their nets. And we know, it doesn't say here, but we know from the details and some of the biblical fishing stuff that we have as background, that these are trammel nets that they were using. So these are huge linen nets, and linen is key because they were then used for night fishing. You know, fish in the daytime would have been able to see the net lines. And so they used these trammel nets made out of linen specifically for fishing at night. They'd fish all night by torchlight in the boat, and then they'd wash their nets when they were finished in the morning. And that's exactly what Peter and these fishermen had done. And this is when Jesus makes this incredible statement, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Jesus knew how to teach scripture. Jesus knew how to do carpentry. He did not know how to fish. And isn't this striking that we see him going right at the heart of what Peter is most in control of? And I wonder, where do you think that you have the most control in your life? I wonder, what is your expertise, your strong suit, your comfort zone? Because if this story is any indication, it seems like that's exactly where God would like to work. That is exactly where Jesus will display his majesty. Jesus' command here is an implicit question to Peter. Peter, are you ready for this? It's the same for us today. Are you ready for God to unsettle those areas where you have felt most settled? Are you ready to answer when he says to you, put out into the deep and let down the nets? Peter answers in verse 5 by saying, first of all, Master, he says, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And you can just imagine the exhaustion in his voice. I mean, you know how you feel when you have to pull an all-nighter or, or maybe even just don't sleep well some night. I mean, I mean, that was Peter. And they hadn't even caught anything. So not only is he tired, but he's also defeated. This is a career fisherman. And he's coming back from a whole night of work, and he's been skunked. They'd stayed up all night and had nothing to show for it. And probably about all that Peter wanted to do at this point was crawl back into bed. And Jesus wants him to crawl back in the boat, throw the nets back into the deep part of the lake after they just finished cleaning them, and try to catch fish in the middle of the day. I mean, it's absurd. Peter says, Master, we worked hard. We haven't caught a thing. Listen to this. He says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
If you know Peter, you know that he misses it big sometimes. But on occasion, he gets it right. And here Peter got it right. And he says, by the grace of God, he says, okay, Jesus, because you say so. Do you know in your life what it means to say, because you say so? When all you have to go on is the word of Christ, that's it. That's all you've got. This is the essence of discipleship. When you can say, I fished all night, I caught nothing, I cleaned my nets, and now a carpenter is telling me to throw them back in the water, it makes no earthly sense. But Jesus, okay, because you say so. What kind of because you say so moment might you be in right now? The world has enough fishermen who are wise according to their own understanding. But what about you? What about you when the clear voice of the master comes in? What do you do? Do you double down and just go with what you always have thought to be true? Or do you step out in faith? I'm sure there's a great opportunity in your life waiting right now for you to exercise faith. And you don't want to miss that. I mean, Peter could have walked away to fish another day and missed the biggest catch of his life. But he said, yes, because you say so, Jesus. And then look what happens. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. These Galilean fishing boats were up to 30 feet long, a handful of men in each boat to work the nets. The fish that they were catching were likely a kind of tilapia called mushed, which you still find in the Sea of Galilee today. And in one shot, in the middle of the day, they had so many fish in the nets that they began to break the lines and sink the boats. I mean, this is an unreal number of fish, a miraculous catch, and Peter knows it. And it's as if Jesus is saying to him, Peter, I am the Lord of the fish of the sea, of the boats that you own, of the nets in your hand. And Peter understood. That's why in verse 8, he just leaves these fish and he comes and he falls to Jesus' knees and he says, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. You know, Peter doesn't yet fully understand who Jesus is. That will come later in the gospel. But he does know that what just happened is something that only God could do. This is only God. He knows that there is something vastly different about the nature of Jesus versus his own human condition. And this is true when we take steps in discipleship, but we become more aware of our own sin. We become more aware of the holiness of God and aware of how badly we need a Savior. And that's where Peter is at. I think of the Apostle Paul, who in, in writing to Timothy said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. 
you know, we might read that and think, oh, the Apostle Paul, I mean, he must be exaggerating. No, he wasn't. He was just more and more aware of his own sinfulness before a holy God. And the bigger the gulf, the bigger the grace. Paul says at the end of Romans 7, you just hear him crying out and he says, what a wretched man that I am who will rescue me from this body of death. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God that Jesus brings us grace. Have you ever received grace in like a real tangible way before? You know, where you made such a dumb mistake that you have been pleading with God and you have said, Lord, I'm, I made such a mistake here. It's such a mess. I need your help, Lord. I don't deserve it one bit, but I need your help. And does God come then and just wipe you off the face of the earth? No. No. When we humble ourselves before him and we beg for forgiveness, he shows up with grace. He is able to cover a multitude of sin by his death on the cross. Peter didn't know all that yet, but it's like he is waking up to grace. And as he begged Jesus to move on and to not bother with such a blundering sinner, Jesus stoops to pick him up and he says to him in verse 10, he says, Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. There's a phrase in there that catches my attention. It's the phrase, from now on. That now there are these two distinct chapters in Peter's life. There's all the time before, and then there's this from now on. This encounter with Jesus will so upend his daily routine that Peter now has a reference point for the rest of his life. And he says, from now on. And I wonder if you have this kind of reference point in your own life. And if you don't, then perhaps it's now, perhaps in 2020, perhaps this is the time, this from now on time in your life that will mark the difference between life as it was and life devoted to Jesus. He makes that invitation to you. Peter says, no, Lord, Lord, go away from me, move on. And Jesus says, no, Peter, I'm calling you. From now on, you will fish for people. And isn't it amazing that God calls sinners like you and me into this mission of his to fish for people? Just amazing. I mean, who are we that God would use us in his eternal plans of salvation? He wouldn't need us, right? Jesus could have commanded the fish to just jump into the boat. You know, skip the fishermen and the nets. But here he invites Peter into the deep to put down his nets and to make the catch. There was a before and a from now on in Peter's life. Before, he used to fish for tilapia, sell them in the market. From now on, he is fishing for the lives of people. And you and I get to do the same. We want to be very clear at the Y Church that this is not some kind of yacht club where we get to hang out with people that we like and socialize. No, the Y Church is a fishing business. And we are here to follow the master's voice and to fish the water for Christ.
There are men, women, and children in our cities and in our neighborhoods who do not yet know the life-saving power of Jesus. Men, women, and children who are clamoring for answers, looking for relief, for any sign of hope, some sense of meaning and direction. There are men, women, and children who are wondering, does my life have any purpose or is this all there is? There are men, women, and children who are laying awake at night with the fear of death on their mind, and that reality should trouble us greatly. Jesus has invited you to be part of his life-rescuing operation on earth. And this whole fishing thing is a metaphor for exactly that. And so I'm asking you this morning, have you taken up this fishing endeavor yet? Or are you just attending a church service? There's a big difference, isn't there? The greatest adventure, the greatest calling on your life is when you say yes to the Father's business, yes to the Master's voice, and yes to his mission on earth. The final verse of the passage shows us Peter's response. And not just him, but uh, we've read now about James and John as well. And it says in verse 11, So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. They just caught the biggest catch of their lives. The biggest payout they would have ever had. And they left it all behind. The fish, the nets, the boats, their jobs, everything. That's how big it was. What do we make of this? What does discipleship applied look like for you and me? Does it mean that tomorrow, Monday, you're quitting your job and selling the house and going to the mission field? It might, right? It could. And I hope that over the years, there are some among us who make such radical life changes that the rest of the world would scratch their heads because Jesus has called you and, and he's called you into deep waters, into the middle of the lake, and you're gone. But the reality is that there are deep waters actually around all of us, right where we live. And the shifts that will happen for many of us are not about the setting that where we're at, but about the priority at the center of our lives. That's the shift that's happening. So when you go in to teach middle school math, you are following Jesus and fishing for people. When you are going into that video conference call for a sales meeting, you are there following Jesus as a fisher of men. I think of our students and our kids. You know, when you're hanging out with your friends or you're going to class, and this year we should add, whether it's in-person, hybrid, or distant learning, it doesn't matter. You are there following Jesus and fishing for others to finally know him. You're going to have to fill in your own example and make this relevant to you because it is. But I do know that for all of us, there are things that we are being called to set down. And there is a life with Jesus that we're being called to pick up. Today is the day to answer that call. Today is the day. In whatever ways God is prompting your heart right now, today is the day to say yes to following Jesus and fishing like you have never fished before. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for coming to save us. Lord, for meeting us on the beach, for speaking words of life. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who forgives sin and you invite us to follow you. And we ask, Lord, today for the courage to leave behind the things we should leave behind and to follow you with boldness. Would you give us a faithfulness, perseverance, and a great joy in this mission field that you've called us to, Lord. We pray for your glory and in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.